Last week, um, our uh, Pastor Durso was here with us, uh, and he spoke from the book of Peter, uh, at least introducing it that way. And um, by the way, if you were not here uh, either uh, last Sunday or for the women's and, and for the men's meetings, those messages from Pastor Durso and his wife Maria are available for free, the CD. Uh, you can pick that up at the counter out in the foyer at the end of this service. But anyway, he, he was talking about how one of the things that is highlighted in the letters that Peter wrote was he was constantly reminding the people of God of what they already knew. He, could, I, he said, I just want to keep reminding you to, or help you to remember uh, that which you already know. And today I want to use the book of Peter once again uh, to remind us of something that for the most part we already know, most of us already know. My thoughts come from 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You'll see the verses come up on the screen, I'm beginning in verse 7. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself, oh, yeah, as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever, amen. Let's pray. Gracious Father, as I prepare now to share the thoughts that you have placed in my heart, given me for all of us, I pray, God, help me to communicate them clearly. Help me, oh God, to speak that which you want me to speak and nothing less and nothing more, God. I ask you that you help all of us in this room, or those watching over the internet, God, that you would help us to hear what you want us to hear today, God. Not just with physical ears, but with the ears of our hearts, God. And I pray that every one of us, in turn, would respond in kind, not to me, but to the word of the Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. So now Peter, in this portion of his letter, is reminding the people of what we already know, and that is that the end of the world is coming soon. In other words, that the Lord will return soon. Now, it's interesting to me that this declaration was also a declaration that came 
right after Jesus ascended into heaven. In fact, let's turn to the book of Acts. You'll see the verses coming up on the screen. This is as Jesus ascended into heaven and the disciples were looking up into the sky. Listen to what we find in Acts chapter 1, verse 9 and 11. After this saying, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. Now look at verse 10. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. And verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday, everybody say someday, someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So think about that for a moment. Jesus had just ascended into heaven. The disciples are looking back, and the very first word from God through these angels is, the sun that has gone up is going to come back one day. Someday, he is going to return. In other words, God wanted his people to remember one day, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who right now is seated at the right hand of the Father, will return. Now, back to our text. Jesus, excuse me, Peter said, the, the end is coming soon. Now, that might present a problem for us. Because when Peter wrote this, that was about over 2,000 years ago. So over 2,000 years ago, when Peter first wrote this to the church, he's telling the church, Jesus is coming soon. But 2,000 years have passed. Now, I think in the second letter that Peter wrote to the Christians, I think he helped us to understand something a little bit better. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Peter said this, but you must not forget. Again, he's reminding, don't forget this. This is the one thing I, want, I don't want you to forget, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. So in other words, Peter's saying, here's another thing i got to help you remember. I don't want you to forget this one thing. The way God processes time is not the way you and I process time. We look at it, Peter said, the Lord is coming soon. People even back then could say, well, Peter, you said soon. He's not here. So Peter said, hey, I want you to understand something. Don't forget this. Remember this. A day to us, uh, to the Lord, is like a thousand years to us, and a thousand years is like a day. God does not process time the way you and I process time. When Peter was telling the church, and in a session telling you and I that the Lord is coming soon, that the end is coming soon, what he was trying to tell them is this, you need to live with an anticipation of the end, of the Lord's return. Anticipation, that's the key word for today. Say that one with me, anticipation. How many of you are old enough to remember uh, the catch-up commercial, anticipation? Am I the only one? Oh yeah, there's only a few of us senior citizens that remember that one. 
I was a big commercial. You got to look at YouTube. Come on, you young people, YouTube it. Anticipation. Listen to what the definition of it, anticipation is coming on the screen. It's looking forward to something that's expected. That's the key word. Anticipation is when you look forward to something that you expect. I am anticipating that my wife is going to bless me later on by giving me the biggest kiss I ever had in 40 years of my marriage. Oh, come on, say amen to that. Now, see, there is no anticipation if you have no expectation. In other words, if you're not expecting something, then there's no, you're not waiting for it. There's no sense. When a woman is with child, she, there's an anticipation. Why? Especially the closer she gets to her nine months, she's like, I can't wait for this baby to come out. Right? But she knows she, she's expecting a birth. So there's an anticipation, not only from her, her uh, the husband, family, everybody's anticipating the birth of a child. And as Christians, we should live with an anticipation of the end of all things, of the Lord's return, you see. Now, in order to help us, Peter goes on to mention three things that anticipation produces in our life. Let's look at them briefly. Number one, anticipation produces earnestness and disciplined prayer. Isn't that what he said in, in, in verse 7? The end of the world is coming soon, therefore be earnest and discipline in your prayers. Now, the word earnest there means you got to be alert. And discipline means you got to be sober-minded, meaning, let me put these two together. Well, let me stay on discipline for a moment. Because I think we, for the most part, we understand earnest meaning being alert. But discipline, this sober-mindedness means this. You can't be swayed by negative surrounding influences. Because I'm anticipating the Lord's return, I need to be alert as I pray, and I need to be disciplined, meaning I have to be careful that my prayer life isn't impacted by negative surrounding influences, you see. Living with an anticipation of the end, of the Lord's return, means that the eyes of my heart are, are fixed on God, not on the world. The eyes of my heart are, are vertical, not horizontal, you see. I think we've all can acknowledge that when we are swayed by the influences of this world, by the pleasures that it offers us, and all these other things, we can get so caught up with that that the first thing that gets impacted in our life is our prayer life. We get so busy doing things that we have no time to pray. And Peter wanted to remind us 
The end is coming soon. There's going to be a day where there's going to be the trumpet of heaven is going to shout as the Bible, is going to blow as the Bible says. And in the moment, Jesus is coming back. And at that point, you can't tell the God, let me get ready now. That's too late for, to get ready then. So if we don't have this anticipation, if we are not expecting the Lord's return, then what's going to happen is our prayer life is the first area that's going to get impacted. We're not going to be alert. What does it mean to be alert, Pastor? It means this. We need to recognize that the days are getting progressively darker spiritually. All you need to do is look at the focus of today and what it represents it is, it is, uh, uh, it is uh, uh, lifting up and exalting something that God clearly says is sinful and will cause many to lose their souls for all eternity. Yet it's being celebrated. The days are getting progressively darker. So we have to be alert spiritually. We have to understand what's going on. And we have to be careful. We have to be disciplined. We have to be recognized I can't allow outside influences to impact my prayer life. I have to be disciplined in that. I have to also recognize I have this thing called a sinful nature. We all have something. It's a sinful nature. The sinful nature is that part of you that does not want to pray. I mean, no, we all have one of those. You know, we all have this thing that we'd rather lay down, we'd rather sleep some more, we'd rather watch more television, do, we'd rather do anything else other than pray. That's that sinful nature. But I have to be disciplined because there are times where God is calling me to pray and I have to break past that, you see. That's why we encourage people as we, although we're taking ministry recess this week, I know Wednesday, the middle of the week, Nobody wants to leave their home. But we have to be disciplined to push back. Why? Why? Because God in his word has promised a release of power when his people gather together to pray. Remember, the Holy Spirit was first poured out when there were 120 that were gathered together to pray, to seek God to wait for what God had promised. That's what we do on Wednesday night. We seek after God and we wait for that which God has promised. So, the Bible is teaching us here that this anticipation impacts my prayer life. Now, let me say this. I often, as you, most of you will, who know me now, know that I'm not a very mystical man. But I need to say this. The devil does not tremble when we sing songs. The devil does not tremble when you go out and tell somebody about Jesus. But the devil trembles when the people pray. When God's people pray, now that causes the devil to tremble. Because he knows when we pray, he listens, God listens, and then God responds. You see, the devil is most scared of God responding because when God responds, he's defeated. Yes. So when we look at prayer, prayer is that connection to God. And that's why, because of that, the devil will do whatever he can to stop you and I from praying. Yes. You see? The Bible says this in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and without 
faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists. Listen, and that he, God, rewards those who what? Earnestly, there's our word again, earnestly seek him. So again, here's the promise from God. God rewards, he pours out blessing on those who have that discipline in their life, who earnestly seek him, who have that, 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 that understanding. I understand my flesh doesn't want to pray. I understand there are all kind of influences keeping, but I am going to spend my time alone with God. I'm going to talk to God. I am going to gather when God's people gather because I want to see God do great things. I want to prepare for when the end comes. You see. Because God rewards those. He blesses those who earnestly seek him. Oh, how we need to live in anticipation of the end. So our prayers, private and corporately, would be earnest and disciplined so that we all can experience God's rewards, the blessings. So, number one, anticipation produces this earnest and disciplined prayer. Number two, it produces deep love for other Christians. Notice that Peter, uh, put, uh, put that verse quickly up on uh, verse eight. Most important of all, come on, we're going to get verse eight coming quickly back up on there, guys. There you go. What's it? Most important of all, meaning top priority. Listen, more than singing, Pastor Jason, more than playing the keyboard and singing, worship team, more than singing, media people, more than working on the media, deacons, more than being deacons and all that, more than doing whatever you might do in church, the Bible says continue to show what kind of love? Deep love for each other. Love covers a multitude of sin. That word deep there literally means stretched out, fervent, without ceasing. Deep love covers, overlooks a multitude of sins. How many know? Listen, I want to give you a revelation. Some of you may not be aware of this, but in church, there's a multitude of sin. Listen now. Oh, yeah. Don't look now, but the person next to you is not holy. I'm looking at somebody right now. I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to say their name. The person on the platform is probably the most sinful of all. We all are a work in progress. We all have things in our life where we stumble and fall. Church is not a collection of perfection. It's a collection of a work in progress where God is transforming us more into his image as we gather here. But while that process is undergoing, you're going to see some of our ugly side. 
I mean, people have this, con- this misunderstanding, this misconception in church. There should be, church folk are supposed to be perfect. So if they come to church and they see somebody's side that's not so much the nice side that day, then they get all flustered and say, oh, they're a bunch of hypocrites and they're never going to go back to church. And they, because they have this concept that we're supposed to be perfect. Well, we're not perfect. It's why the Bible put this in the, here in the first place. It's in the book for a reason. Love covers a multitude of sins. What is Peter saying? You better understand that God is coming back soon. Therefore, get over yourself. Stop thinking about your neighbor and, well, they didn't do this, and, you know, this one didn't do that, and, 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 all, and you have all of these issues with people in church, and you don't realize that people have issues with you too. Hello? You've got these blinders on, and the, you've got these fault finders. That's what I call these glasses. They're called fault finders. Have you ever seen them? You can get them on eBay, or you can Amazon them too. They're, they're great glasses. You put that on, you see everybody's faults. And what's great about it, you can't see yourself. The Bible says we have to have deep love. Not just love. We have to have deep love. Because love covers over sin. Meaning, you know what? I can't get upset I'm not going to hold on to this disappointment, this anger at Pastor Joey because once again he did this. And he does a lot of this. Why? Well, because my Bible tells me that I'm supposed to cover his sin. Cover means, by the way, you don't go to your neighbors and say, let me lift up the cover. You see that? You see what Pastor Joey did? That's not covering. Covering is, not only am I not going to remember this thing or hold it against him, I'm not going to go telling anybody else about it. That's covering. Somebody comes, oh, you know, Pastor Collier. You know what? He's not perfect, but neither are you. You need to move on from that. How I many you know more lives are destroyed in church because everybody has all of these grudges and then all these things are, are they anger and they and they can't release those things and they, and they can't forgive. And that's why the Bible says, no, love covers a multitude of sin. Peter knew what covering was all about because Jesus covered him and forgiving him three times. Even though he denied the Lord three times, Jesus forgave him three times. Deep love. When you see somebody in need, Peter said, you bring him into your house, you give him a meal, you help them. Listen to what 1 John says in chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. So, everybody say so. That means because Jesus gave his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Can we erase that? Give up our lives. Verse 17. 
If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before God. Love in action. Deep love. So let's recap. Anticipation produces, number one, earnest and disciplined prayer. Number two, deep love for other Christians, which, by the way, if you're not engaged in building relationships in the church, you've missed the mark totally. If church is just about plugging in for an hour, hour and 20 minutes or whatever, and then you have no relationships with anybody, you have, and I don't say it, the Bible says, how can you have God's love? You don't love anybody. See, it's all about community and building relationship. We're a, a one happy family. Well, we may not be happy sometimes, but we're a family, yeah. right? I'm not happy when my brother doesn't do it. I, listen, the, in my physical family, this is gospel truth, the only person that has ever punched me in my life was my physical brother. Punched me in the eye. By God's grace, I have never had an altercation. No, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The second time I got punched while I was in church, another Christian punched me. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Two, two times I've been punched in my life. My physical brother and my spiritual brother. <laughs> Don't forget that one. It happens. My point to this is, as a family, we're going to have issues, like every family has issues. But if we love one another, we work those things out, you see. Number three, getting back to it. Number one was earnest and disciplined prayer. Number two is deep love for other Christians. Number three is use of the gift God has given us. That's what Peter said, so that we have a gift that God has given us in verse 10, God has given each of you a gift. Come on, look at your neighbor. God has given you a gift. Now, what's a gift means? It means that God has given you a special ability, if you will, a talent, if you will, uh, uh, that you are to use to serve others. Everyone, there is no one of God's people that can say, God has never given me any gift or talent. I have nothing that I can offer anybody. We all have a gift, some kind of a talent that God has given us so that we can serve others. And listen, because the end is coming soon, Peter said, use this gift well. Use this gift well. Make sure that the gift God has given you, you do it well. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's what I believe it means. Let's take Pastor Jason. Let's pick on, we picked on Pastor Joey enough, we're going to pick on Pastor Jason. You see, that was not love covering a multitude of sin. Pastor Joey said, thank you. Instead of saying, no, Pastor, stay on me, he wants me to expose his brother's sin, you see? 
How many of you know Pastor Joey needs this word? Everybody look at Pastor Joey. Say, Pastor Joey, you need this word. Okay, back to Pastor Jason. Pastor Jason has multiple gifts. He has the gift to play. Just because you take lessons doesn't mean you can play. He has the gift to sing. And how many know there are different levels of talent in singing? I have a very low level. So low that Pastor Jason has encouraged me to keep preaching. And then there's the gift to lead in worship. So he has three gifts that he demonstrates while he's on the platform. Are you following me so far? So, okay. So now whether it's playing guitar or playing an instrument, he has the, the gift to play musical instruments, he has the gift to sing, and he has the gift to lead worship. Now the Bible says, because the end is coming soon, Pastor Jason, you have to do that well. Now, most of us would probably think that well means that I've got to do it to the best of my ability. But that is not what well means here. Here's what well means. Well means, Pastor Jason, when you do all those things, make sure that you're doing it to help others and not yourself. You see, part of the problem that we have in church sometimes is we recognize that we have a certain gift, but we want to utilize that gift so people can recognize us. You see? We want recognition. We want people to acknowledge that God has given us this gift. And we all have that fault. My fault is God has gifted me to be good looking. And I want everybody to know it. Whether you think I have the gift or not, I think I have that gift. Of course, I'm fooling around. But you get what I'm talking about? Where the focus, to use our gift well, the focus has to be always others. I come early or on time to serve because I want to serve others. It's not about me. It's about others. I come to rehearse during the week when nobody else is coming, and I do it not for me so I can get a better voice. In order to, I do it because I want to bless others. You see? I serve in the parking lot ministry in the heat of the summer and in the cold of the winter, not because I want people to say, oh, look at that brother, but because I want to serve Amen. others. When the focus is always on others, then you are serving and using your gift well. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Worship team, would you come and help me out, please? So Peter now is, is letting us know or reminding us, if you will, that the end is coming soon, that soon the Lord is going to return. So we need to... Uh, live with this anticipation, which is that holy expectation of the Lord's return. And in the context of our text, it means those three things. Having an earnest, disciplined prayer life. Deep love for other believers, other Christians. 
and using my gift that God has given me, using it well. Now, once again, 2,000 years have passed since Peter penned this. And some might say, okay, God is coming back. I recognize that. I believe that, Pastor, that Jesus is going to come back. Uh, but are we being maybe a little bit sensational? Well, first of all, anticipation enables you and I to live the kind of life that will honor God while we're here on this earth. And it will also release rewards into our life, as we read earlier. And thirdly, here's the last reminder. When the Lord comes back, before, come on, say it one more time, before, before you and I get to spend all eternity in heaven with Jesus, before then, here's what's going to happen. You and I I'm going to stand before Jesus to be judged by him. Oh, yeah. Let's look at what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. And lastly, in 1 Peter, uh, again, back in chapter 4, verse 5, he says this, but remember, again, he's reminded that they will have to face God who will judge how many people? Everyone. Everyone, both the living and the dead. When the Lord returns, you and I, as the people of God, will have to stand before God, and he will judge us. He will judge us on the basis of what we have done while we are on this earth. While we have lived this life as Christians, God's people, we will answer to him good or bad. So that's why we need this anticipation in our life. We need this holy expectation so that by the grace of God, we can have this, uh, this uh, discipline and earnest prayer life so that we can have this deep love for one another and so that we can use our gift to serve others and do it well. So that when we do stand before him, the greatest reward you and I could ever receive from the Lord when we stand before him, is to hear this. Well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, you want to hear that. I want to hear that from the Lord. I want to hear that from the Lord. Well done, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to stand with me. Now, in a moment, Pastor Jason and the worship team are going to lead us in a chorus. Two things that I want you to consider right now. Because the end is coming soon. And for some of us, the first question is, is have we received Jesus Christ as our Savior? You see, only Christians are going to be the ones to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ to be, and enter eternity. For those who have not embraced Christ as their Savior, their eternity is going to be spent in hell, forever away from the Lord. This is not about what religion you're a part of. This is not about what man you follow. This is about have you gotten yourself right 
with Jesus Christ. Embrace them as your Savior. And if you have, the second question we need to ponder as Christians is, are we living with this anticipation? This holy expectation of the Lord's return. Pastor Jason.